It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Welcome to Voice Rising with Kara Johnstad. Enjoy weekly conversations with leading luminaries, pioneering visionaries, singers, poets, musicians, and sound healers as we explore the profound role our voice plays on the path to self-realization and global enlightenment. The internationally acclaimed singer, composer, author, healer, recording artist, voice expert, creator of Voice Your Essence, and founder of the School of Voice, Kara Johnstad uses her extraordinary spiritual gifts to empower others. Everything in this world vibrates. Everything has a frequency. A pioneer in the field of voice work and transformational songwriting. Her breakthrough methods are helping thousands of people worldwide fine-tune their body-mind-spirit system and unlock the energetic frequencies of limitless creativity, health, and abundance. Share your voice. Ask your questions. Join in the conversation. Receive life-changing, positive transformation and rise together to create a sound world. And here's your host, Kara Johnstad. Hello, everybody. A very warm welcome. If you are curious about writing as a spiritual practice, you're going to enjoy today's guest, Sherry Mundell, an award-winning author, mother, and activist. And Sherry is here to talk about her new book, The Kabbalah of Writing, Mystical Practices for Inspiration and Creativity, and share with us insights on writing from all her years of teaching and being an author herself. Welcome, Sherry, to Voice Rising. Oh, thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here. It's good to have you. You do have this wonderful new book. You have many, many books out on the market, but this new book is very special for those of us who do uh, write or dabble in writing or have always dreamed of writing. The new book, The Kabbalah of Writing, is a very different kind of guide, I would say. So why did you write this book? What, what drew you to it? Well, I wrote it for a lot of reasons. First of all, I've been <clears throat> teaching writing mm-hmm. for a long time. And recently I've been working with the same students for over 10 years. So because I had to always come up with new exercises for them, and new readings, I gathered a lot of material. And I've always been interested in the Kabbalah, especially in the Sirach. When I first came to Israel many years ago, I took a class in the Sirach, and I was just amazed because 
they were so comprehensive and also so interesting. And so I thought it would be just a really beautiful partnership between the spirit and writing. And so I put the book together. It was actually pretty a few years ago, many years ago. And eventually it was published. So I'm, I'm really happy for these ideas to find their way out to uh, the greater world. Yeah, for so many of us also to learn the beauty of the Kabbalah. You were born in New York. I read you were born and grew up on Long Island and you graduated from Cornell and did an MA in creative writing. And then you did a lot of teaching in, in the United States at the University of Maryland and Penn State and wrote for magazines. What brought you to Israel then? I believe Israel now is your home base. Yeah, well, I've lived here for 27 years wow. with my family. Um, I grew up Jewish in New York, but I had no Jewish education. So mm -hmm. I really didn't understand what Judaism was. And I wasn't so interested in it when I was a kid. But then I was teaching college, and we, in a story we were reading, it mentioned Hanukkah. And I realized I couldn't really explain to my students what Hanukkah was. And I just felt it was such a gap in my knowledge. And eventually I was traveling and I decided to come to Israel. I had friends here. And once I started learning about Judaism, I was just mesmerized. I had no idea how interesting the religion was and actually how mystical and how spiritual and that it talked about other worlds. And also the Hebrew language itself is a very interesting language. And to learn the Bible, to learn the Torah in Hebrew is a different way of learning it because the words are much richer in the original language. Yeah. And it's almost, it's done through oration, correct? I mean, you're speaking a lot. You're, you're singing and speaking. Or is it, or is it um, yeah, only well, reading? The, no, like in the Torah on Shabbat, that's when the portion of the Torah, the, the mm -hmm. Bible, the Jewish Bible is read, and it's it's always done. Yeah, There's exactly. That. So, yeah. yeah. And then also, eventually I became an observant too. So, for example, mm -hmm. on the Sabbath, we're always, we're always singing. It's yeah. part of like the... the <clears throat> the bent, it's called the benching. It's like the thank you after the meal is the song. And yeah, uh, in the ancient temple, the priest used to sing. So song is definitely a big part of the Jewish religion and many religions. Many religions. And I've had, well, I guess I, I've, I've been very lucky to be invited to many beautiful, um, you know, yeah, beautiful events where just such rich, open, full voices, very connected between heaven and earth. So you know that there's a, a channel that's that's opening when the do you say cantor? Is it the is it uh, the, the one who's yeah the cantor? But we don't really have cantors here, like in ah, okay. my community. They have them in Berlin. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. Also yeah. in America, also in yeah. Israel, just not where I live. But it's interesting that you use the word channel because the Sirot, they also translate as channels. 
because mm. they're channels between the divine and the world. And they're, they're actually stages of creation. And also God can be described in terms of the spheroid, but also human beings can be described in, in terms of the spheroid. So there are 10 spheroids, is that correct? 10 channels of the divine creative life force that can be used to support us as human beings to grow and also support us. And that's where your book is so fascinating as writers in our own writing practice to develop our own authentic voice. And I, and I found really every chapter is, is, one of the chapters is kindness. And anybody who's ever gone to writing class, um, normally in school, the, the last word that might come to our mind is kindness. It might come later at, with, a, <laughs> with a good teacher at university, but most, most people start writing with a lot of joy and then suddenly they feel so criticized. And so there are, are chapters, or you, you would probably say the spirits are, one of them is kindness, then there's things like boundaries, where you, where you really can take these spiritual practices and see how they relate to your writing practice. So it's, it's quite a spiritual path. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. And yeah, I agree with you that there's, there are always people and teachers who can shut us down. And I give the example, I was getting a master's in poetry and yeah. I was, I think I was like 22 or 23 and I was so nervous the first class. I was, I was at Colorado State. I had like never lived outside of New York. I was living in Colorado and the poetry teacher, we, I gave in my poem that week and they all read it. And he looked at me and he said, this seems like the poem of a 15-year-old girl. Mm. And I was devastated. It was, it was such a hurtful comment. Yes. And I, I think that, you know, it's very easy to criticize in a negative way, but to really find the power in somebody's writing and try to help them understand what they're trying to say. I just taught a writing class, you know, two hours ago. So lots of times, with lots of times, I'll say to my students, just, you know, what were you thinking when you wrote this? What was mm -hmm. your intention? And then I'll ask the other students, where do you see the power in this essay? What do you think the heart of this essay is? Like, in order, it's, it builds somebody up to describe what they've done, you know, and I think that hurtful comments, they, they really can destroy people. So language is very powerful. I mean, that's part of my contention in this book. And it's very important, you know, what we say and how we say it. Language is so powerful. But in terms of... Yeah. No, yeah. share. No, I just share. want to say, yeah, in terms of chesed, in terms of kindness, um, first of all, the sphere oath, they, they alternate. They, some are very expansive and some contract. And that parallels the energy of the universe that we're always, there's always a forward motion and a backward motion or a motion of order and anarchy. We're always moving in this kind of binary way. And, but there's, there are also sphere of, um, balance mm -hmm. and um, kindness is a kind of generosity 
It's an expansiveness. So it also gives us the opportunity as writers to just let go and to write without judging ourselves. Because I think that's what breaks people as writers is when they judge themselves before they allow, uh, before they're generous with themselves and just allow that first draft to come out of them. Right, which is a very different language. If a teacher says, let's be generous today and share our heart. You, you said the heart of the work. And I had to, to smile when you said that because we often say as artists also, it's our body of work, right? So there is a personification. There is really, these, these poems are extensions of our breath. They're extensions of our heart. They're extensions of our thoughts, right? They're extensions of our emotions. And, and if we're, we're generous um, with our gifts also, then we don't have writer's block or stage fright because we come from a place of sharing, sharing our life experiences. And it's a very different place than competition. It it's, comes from a place of communing or, or being in a community together. And uh, yeah, yeah, I love that word communing because, right. yeah, it's like that, that you're working together really even when you're working separately, because like, I know as a writer, I'm expressing something, but it's not till somebody has heard it and responded that I'm really satisfied. So there's, that, there's always that, um, I think in Hebrew sometimes, that inyan, that, that idea of communication has communion in it and community. And that's why, for me, I love writing. And because I think, for me, and I think a lot of people, it reveals something deeper. And it gives the ability to work with language and with imagery and to really delve into a deeper part of the self. And then also to surprise yourself. Because write that, like, one, one way I know that <clears throat> writing is my writing is let's say successful is when I find something I didn't know was there when I arrived mm -hmm. somewhere that I hadn't planned on arriving and so there's that meeting with something greater than the self that's possible every day we rise challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in at U.S. Border Patrol Protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Yeah. Tell us about being honest in our writing and and letting go of all those different layers, maybe of mass, and how creativity begs us to be honest. And talk to us about the authentic voice, what we would call the true voice. What's, what's your take on that as a writer and also of a teacher of writing? Well, I, I love something that uh, writer Sarah Manguzo said. She said that a lot of people think that a voice just appears but that a voice is actually a product of experience and reading and meeting with people and imagination. So a voice is something we build, I think. 
But in terms of an authentic voice, I think sometimes it's when we just keep, first of all, sometimes the first draft is the most authentic voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it's what, like, for, you know, like first thoughts, best thoughts. There's something about the rawness and giving yourself permission just to say whatever it is you want to say. And people, and to be vulnerable, because readers love vulnerability. Like we all love when somebody else admits that they messed up or they weren't perfect or they were weak or they did something that they're sorry about. Like that touches us as readers because we can identify with it. And I know for myself as a writer, I would write things sometimes I wouldn't tell people and I'll publish Mm -hmm. them. But somehow it's, yeah, it's like the, the, and the blank page is like, like our best friend, you know, like it can be that we can sort of confide to that page in a way that we can't confide even to our closest friends. Yeah, it is quite magical. And to be able to, I think to be able to be, I, I always say to my, the singers that I'm coaching that when we confide, when we feel that we have a safe place where we can confide, and that can be a, a piece of, you know, blank paper that can be a very good friend who offers us unconditional love. There's a confidence that also comes because confide and confide and confidence are also next to each other, right? So if we feel safe and our voice has a space to have a home, then there's a there's a there's a beauty of unfolding that happens where we're not pulling back or not yeah not constricting or not resigning and. Uh, and that's very precious. I think we do say things on the page that we might not say in a room full of people because we're afraid, again, of being judged. So there you come back to this generosity and the kindness that we need to really be ourselves, right? We're going to take a small yeah, break. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. No. Well, okay, we're going to think oh. about conf- confidence and confide. Is that what you love? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yes, I love that too. So let's take a small break and everybody ponder on that connection. If we can confide, we'll have more confidence. Yeah, I'm going to pick that up. The cutting edge of conscious radio, Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Own Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Connect at ohmtimes.com. Ohm Times creating a more conscious lifestyle. With happy clients all over the world, Cara Johnstad knows that your voice is the missing link to more authenticity, abundance, creativity, and health. An internationally acclaimed voice expert, Cara's breakthrough methods have helped thousands of people successfully heal their voice wounds and extinguish the story of self-doubt and shyness forever. Join in group trainings, attend online sessions, 
Schedule one-on-one time and invite CARA to work with your organization and community. Get started today. Go to www.carajohnstad.com and receive a special guided meditation designed to fine-tune your inner voice and welcome you on the voice journey. This is Kathy Beale, host of Celestial Compass, featuring astrology you can use. Celestial Compass points you to what's going on in the sky and what you can do with it down here on Earth. We also explore fun, effective, and cosmic tools for navigating this adventure we call life. Join me the first and third Monday of the month at 5 p.m. Eastern Time for Celestial Compass. It's enlightening, entertaining, and empowering. If I could be you. And you could be me. For just one hour. If you could find a way. To get inside. Each other's mind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. We've all felt left out. And for some, that feeling lasts more than a moment. We can change that. Learn how at belongingbeginswithus.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Walk a mile in my shoes. Welcome back to Voice Rising. Today I am with the award-winning author, mother, and activist, Sherry Mundell. And we're talking about her new book, The Kabbalah of Writing Mystical Practices for Inspiration, Creativity. And we were just contemplating the connection between to confide in someone or the page and the confidence that's developed when we're able to have a safe place to confide in, right? You like that one. I adore that because I think it's really true, this idea of confiding, because it's an intimacy. And I think that's what everybody seeks is that intimacy to be listened to and to be recognized and to be told that what you're thinking and feeling and who you are is okay. And Mm -hmm. then you have confidence because you know that, who you are has been received. So also I remember I I read an essay by, I think it was Emily Fox Gordon. And she talked about the difference between confession and confiding. Mm -hmm. Um, And she said that when you confess to somebody that often it's, you're on different levels of, you're in different levels of power. There's a hierarchy. So Mm -hmm. when you confide, there's an equality. And so I think that that equality is what brings us that confidence. Mm-hmm. I agree. And, and that the confidence also comes with the, which you can only get with time, with the awareness of where you confide. Because I think that we come back again to kindness. There, there are times when we confide, and if that person that is across from us is too harsh or too judgmental, then we're destroyed. And if that person welcomes us with unconditional love, then we're forever expanded and healed. And the the beauty of the page, of course, is that, or the beauty of your dog or cat or <laughs> other living <laughs> beings, is that they can't judge. That, And that's why I think writing is such a powerful spiritual practice, because we can find that safe place. Yeah. Right. Sherry, you... 
you yeah. had a, a huge turning point in your life. You've had, you know, everybody has had many turning points, but you had a, a very powerful turning point. It was 2001, and you are a mother, and your son was murdered by terrorists. And share with us a little bit how the writing practice in itself, I, I can't even imagine, and I don't think anybody even has words to begin, what you must have gone through. Was it a complete shutdown? Were you able to turn to the page? How did writing perhaps save you or help you to integrate and emerge and go through such an intense tragedy and also for your family? How, how, how did writing play a role? Yeah, so my son, Kobe, in 2001, he was 13 years old, and we live in Israel, and he went, he cut school, and he went hiking with his friend, Yosef Isran, and they were met by, they they were stoned to death with rocks Mm -hmm. by terrorists, and he was my oldest, and I felt like, you know, I, I really wanted to die. Mm-hmm. And in fact, you know, we run, we have a foundation and I became a pastoral counselor and we run groups for bereaved mothers and almost every mother, I have bereaved mother I have spoken to said, yeah, she wanted to die. She wanted to kill herself. I mean, we don't, but you see it, you really feel like you want to. And I mean, I never said I was lucky, but we were fortunate because we were surrounded by community. And I had an incident on Kobe's birthday where I ended up figuring out what to do. My friend Shira said, you have to do something on Kobe's birthday. And I didn't know what to do. It was five weeks after he was murdered. And I I had three other kids after, you know, three other little kids. And we went into Jerusalem and I did not know what to do for his birthday. And finally, I got the idea to give money to 14 beggars. And the minute I got the idea, we were in a restaurant, a beggar came to us and then we gave him money and then we went out on the streets in Jerusalem and we were running after beggars. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I told my friend Shira what had happened and she said, you have to write about this. Yes. So I wrote about it. I, I wrote an article about it. And then during that first year, I just had so many mystical incidents with mostly with birds. Mm-hmm. And I started writing about Kobe and I, that first year I could hear his voice in my head. So I wrote about his childhood and just things that had happened with him and what he was like and stories. And then I thought I was just going to write about him. But that year, so many mystical events occurred with birds that I started writing about them. And then, actually, I learned with a friend, we were learning Kabbalah, and we learned that because also there were birds' nests appeared outside my um, house, and birds fell down at my feet dead, birds got stuck on my windshield. Everywhere I went, there were birds. And so we learned. In the Kabbalah, it said that God waits to redeem the world in a place called the supernal bird's nest. Mm -hmm. So once I learned that, I understood that 
this story was bigger than me and actually was part of Jewish history. But I started writing and I wrote that for, I mean, I didn't want to go out. I Thank God I had other children and I had a six-year-old who really needed me. And I had a 10-year-old and a 12-year-old and a husband. So I didn't function very well, but I definitely wrote. And I wrote, I wouldn't say I wrote through my pain. I wrote from my pain, but also from, like, I felt like I was living a spiritual mystery mm-hmm. and that whole year and that there were all these signs and wonders and that I had to write about them. And one thing that I think was healing for me, Kobe was killed in a cave. Kobe and Yosef were killed in a cave. And then we had, we had all these events concerning bird's nests. And when I wrote the book, I had a lot of different parts. I think there's, there are 39 just different chapters. And I knew the first section was going to be the cave, but I didn't understand what the sec- second section would be. And eventually I understood that the second session, second section would be the bird's nest. And I understood that they were reverse images because the cave is closed and it's dark and you can lose your way there. But the bird's nest is open and it's light and it's a place of birth. And once I found that image of the bird's nest and I ended the book with that, I understood that there was that there was birth available, not that I had another baby, but that mm-hmm. there were possibilities and a sense of hope. I think that the writing gave me a sense of hope and also tied me to a bigger story so that it wasn't just my personal story or a national story. It was, it became a spiritual story for me. Yeah. I always love birds so much that they, one of the things that I love about birds is that they sit in the darkness and they usher in the dawn, right? They, they have the courage to use their voice to guide us into the light. I mean, I, I always am amazed. And in Berlin today, it was snowing and cold, and yet the birds were sitting there singing and not complaining <laughs> and um, seen yeah. by many as these, these messengers between heaven and the ground, right? The heaven and earth, really, really powerful. I mean, powerful. I love that image that you gave of the, the cave and the nest. The, the 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 nest also being yeah the, the the place of birth and also this nurturing home it's very it's very very beautiful so you ended up yeah you ended up writing um, a book I think it's the blessing of a broken heart correct and mm-hmm. yeah and now this was a while back and now you you have a beautiful foundation dedicated to um, the legacy of Kobe, and also to support so many people to heal from and and mm-hmm. have a place where they can feel at home. Um, what what would you say when now looking at this book in particular? Because I think it's really a book. It has nothing. Well, for me, I mean, of course, if you're coming from Judaism and the Jewish tradition, but but I am not, and I was very happy and enthralled to read this book because of the wisdom that is contained in these 10 um, uh, sifrats. 
what would you say? Is, oh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I forgot how to say it. <laughs> zero. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> I forgot. Yeah. You can say however you want it. Yeah. I, I read it sometimes. I mean, I'll learn Hebrew, if not in this life, in the next life. Um, what <laughs> makes this book so unique, especially for people maybe that that have yeah never come in contact with the Kabbalah or they, they want to just find a new approach to their to finding their writing voice? What makes this book so unique? I think because it has a different arrangement in terms of thinking about writing and about life. And, you know, I'm just looking at some of the spirits, like comprehension, mm -hmm. um, Bina. And in the book, I talk about um, something called Pardes, which is, Pardes means like paradise, mm -hmm. but it's, it's also, it also means, um, in Hebrew, it means field. But it's also like the mystical field because it's a mystical place where four rabbis went into the Pardes and they couldn't withstand the light there and only one survived. But Pardes is also an acronym for different levels of writing and different ways mm -hmm. of, of like a hermeneutic for thinking about writing. Mm -hmm. So I think I, I want to talk about this model because I think it's a really beautiful model that could be used, you know, easily. And it's, it's a very interesting way to think about writing and about analysis of any text because Pardes, it's, it starts with K in Hebrew, which it means Pesach, which is the simple meaning. And the simple meaning is, let's say you're just, you're writing about a kitchen. So you're just describing the essential details of that kitchen. You know, the mm -hmm. texture and the light and the knickknacks or the clock or the window. You're just describing like what's there, the details. But the next level is remez, which means what does it remind you of? Mm -hmm. So a kitchen, like from childhood, it could, it could remind you of, or even your kitchen today, it could remind you of a friend's kitchen or an aunt's kitchen or a kitchen you read about in a book or um, something that somebody wrote about cooking. Like there's all kinds of possibilities to kind of reverberate from, that can reverberate from those concrete details. But so it's the simple meaning, then what does it remind you of? And then the third level is drash, which is meaning. And meaning is the theme but you can also think of it as a kind of container. Like, what is it you're trying to say? And not necessarily in a didactic way and not necessary and probably not moralizing, but what's the idea that you're coming up with from working with this? And then you can use principles of reflection like repetition, where you, you just keep repeating something. Like for example, you could repeat either every sentence or, you know, a few times in the essay, you know, the kitchen is where I, or my kitchen is what is where you, or, um, and then the last part of Pardes is Samach, which stands for Sod, which is secret. And I think that's the most amazing part is that 
the writing isn't complete until you have found an insight, something that you didn't know was there, so that there's a kind of revelation. And it's not until you found that revelation, which is really what you can say about this that maybe nobody else has said in the way you're saying it or something you didn't understand. And it's almost like a bird. It's something that just rises that you had no idea was, was mm-hmm. going to show up. And so just those, you know, the, the spirit are a structure. So like Pardes is also a structure. It gives you like a place to hang your hat and a place to begin to write with, I would say to write without fear because you have so many opportunities in this book to choose exercises and to choose aspects of the world and of spirituality that will, will stimulate you and motivate you to keep writing. And I guess that idea of in the end on the fourth layer to find or to it's like a treasure hunt, right? It's kind of exciting then to go after it. You don't feel like, oh, where's the grammar? And how could you're like, what is it going to reveal? Where's the secret? Um, yeah, I don't know. We come back to these words, intimacy, and to confide in something. Like, what what is that secret of the kitchen? Or what is the secret inside why I love to wear my old flannel shirt with the big ripped pocket or you know, whatever it is. Oh, right? I know that one. Yeah. I'm having a hard time throwing out my pajama shirt that is all ripped. It's like I cannot yeah. get rid of Well, I mean, <laughs> writers are kind of famous for wearing these kind of overly big, baggy, soft, warm clothes that make us also feel like we're nestled in that beautiful bird nest. I think that we are... Um, yeah, that, that we're comforted that, that when we write. And pajamas are, yeah, big flannel pajamas. Those are a good one. Do you think, Sherry, I mean, you've been doing this a long time, and you've gone from your first poetry class where you were probably, you know, wounded and had to get over those wounds to become a um, published author and to support so many people on their healing journeys and help so many people... Um, yeah, just transform their lives through being able to find those personal stories and connect them then to bigger, expansive stories, the collective stories, as though they realize they're not so alone, right? That, that, that everybody has somehow had to go through the first day of school and everybody had to maybe also fall in love and fall out of love and everything so does that mean every single person can be a writer? Because I think that is a big dream for many people, to be able to write, to write a book, to write a story, to put their name on something, to be heard, to be listened to. Is that your belief? Yeah, well, you know, you're reminding me that this spirit, the root of the word is also close to the word for story um, mm-hmm. in Hebrew. And also for, it, it's also connected to number and connected to sapphire, to a treasure. So I think that everybody has their own personal history. And of course, history has story in it or her story. And this is something that we want to transmit, you know, that's just natural for us to want to transmit to others. 
and for others to respond and to be changed by by what by what we write. But it reminds me of um, I have a friend named Jonathan Chernobyl who he died a couple of years ago, and he he was about eighty seven, and he had had a really interesting life. He'd been to Woodstock, and he was the cameraman, and he'd been to the Democratic Convention as a you know as a sound person, and he didn't have children till he was fifty, and he moved to that's when he moved to Israel, and he was like a much older father than anybody around the other than the other fathers, and he knew he was dying, and we got the idea. I also write children's books, and we got the idea that I we would write a children's book together for his grandchildren hmm. about him. And we called it before you were born and it was addressed to his grandchildren. And it was, it was just, you know, a few of the stories of his life, but first of all, it was so much fun to do together. Even though we knew he was dying, we were laughing and having fun. I, I think there's something about sharing those stories, like confiding that just brings a joy. And then knowing that he was going to be confiding those stories to his grandchildren and that there would be continuity, there'd be a continuation of his, really, it's, it's his life, but it was also of his soul speaking. So I think everybody has that desire that they're, what they've experienced in life and even their soul speaking, because when we're talking about birds, it just feels like somehow birds are like the soul speaking. Because mm-hmm. there's just some there's some beauty about them, and I think there's beauty in every person's life. You know, there's failures too, and to be able to share all of that is it's just it feels to me like a way of healing, you know, ourselves, but healing the world. Because when other people read those stories then they're not so alone. And it's, you know, I I think of it as the world in a way is God's story. And maybe we're, I don't even know if we're pages in the book, we might just be letters. But when, when we're, when we let like our soul shine through, then maybe the story, you know, then the story is a greater story or a clearer story or a story with more wisdom I'm not sure. I haven't really thought it out completely, but I feel like there's something there. Beautiful. Sherry, we're going to take a very, very short break. And now on this break, we're going to contemplate about all of these stories and how it's like a beautiful masterpiece, a jigsaw puzzle of humanity and what we're giving also our future generations. Mm-hmm. Bringing a more conscious lifestyle to your world. Om Times Radio, IOM FM. Ascending Hearts is no ordinary dating site, but a spiritual dating site with a purpose to link you with your soulmate. We engineer the serendipity so you can trust that you will attune with someone that has the same matching vibration as you. Ascending Hearts, the conscious dating site for the spiritually aware. Try Ascending Hearts for free, ascendinghearts.com. My name is Victor Furman. Some call me The Voice. I've always been fascinated with human nature, spirituality, science, and the crossroads at which they meet. 
Join me Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Eastern on Ohm Times Radio, and we'll explore these topics and so much more on Destination Unlimited. You came across someone struggling with hunger. How would you recognize them? Would you notice an eight-year-old girl who's not excited for summer break because she may not be having lunch again until September? Or a war veteran who's having a hard time landing a job and getting back on his feet? I am the one in eight Americans who struggle with hunger. I am hunger in America. Hunger can be hard to recognize. Learn why at IamHungerInAmerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Voice Rising. Today I am with the award-winning author, mother, and activist, Sherry Mandel, and we are talking about her wonderful new book, The Kabbalah of Writing Mystical Practices for Inspiration and Creativity. And I was reflecting in the break, Sherry, how writers and singers and artists, it's like we are the bridge the beyond. So I, I often share also that many of us are uncomfortable at times talking about death, but we're listening to many singers, for example, who have already passed, and they're in the present in our living rooms, in our cars, Maria Callas, Nina Simone. Um, we're listening to Beethoven and Mozart. So what you were saying is so true that we do leave our our voice and a part of our soul and our essence and the writers, it's the same when we read books from John O'Donohue or we read books of, um, you know, poetry and Walt Whitman and just beautiful things. We are able to not only connect with wisdom, but we're able to connect with a soul that is on the other side, but still here. That's pretty magical. Mm-hmm. Right? right? Yeah, I have read... Yeah, I have letters that my father wrote me where, I mean, he was not a writer, but his voice is so strong. They're very short letters, and it's really like, Daddy, you're here. I can mm-hmm. I can feel you. So I think, you know, for everybody who's listening, yeah, some people want to write books, and some people want to, es- want to write essays, but it's also letters and emails where, I mean, I'm not sure about email because... It's too easily erased, but a real letter to to somebody can just make can give such a point of contact between people, and that writing can do that. You know, can allow it, allow us to contact ourselves, but also to contact other people. Yeah, there is something about longhand. That's a that's a question that I would have for you. Do you write longhand or do you write at the computer? There's something for me about seeing my father's handwriting that connects me in a different way than if I would get an email from him. So do you tend to write yeah, in that's longhand? True. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I don't because yeah. I used to teach college and I taught freshman composition and I got carpal tunnel from um, yeah. grading many yeah. essays. Can imagine. So for me, writing is not so writing, you know, by hand is not so comfortable. But I know there is something to that handwriting thing. And I, I have friends who are poets who will not write on the computer, you know, that mm-hmm. they feel that the real energy comes through their hands. 
Yeah, it's probably a, a mixture of both. You can, I'm sure you can get the powerful intent and focus at the computer, but there is something magical about receiving a letter, a handwritten letter, uh, which happens less and less nowadays, right? Um, you talked a little bit about this. We're, we're kind of coming to the close of this show, and I would love to, I'd love you to share some golden nuggets. You, you spoke that writing practice our writing practice can also not only serve for our own well-being, but can be an essential part of the world's spiritual evolution. And I love this thought. Um, before the show started, you were talking about events in, in Israel that were there was another terrorist attack. We know that there are wars happening. We know that there's hunger. We know of all these events that are, are so devastating and yet we all have the potential to, to heal the world and, and to bring, uh, to shift harm to harmony and to support each other. So what golden nuggets can you offer the voice, our writing voice, contributing to the world's spiritual evolution? Yeah, well, I think when you're writing you're given the opportunity for healing. And mm -hmm. so, you know, writing is a quest really for balance and mm -hmm. for harmony. Mm -hmm. And so even when you're harmed and damaged, there's a way that writing can come to heal you. Because when you can find imagery or use your imagination to sort of crawl out of that hole of pain, and find imagery that will um, transform the, Im the imagery of the pain. You know, it's like what I was talking about with the cave and the bird's nest, mm -hmm. that there are ways of transforming imagery so that it can turn into healing imagery. And similarly, we, we have the opportunity to use language in a way that can we can heal ourselves so that we can say, you know, I wish that, or I imagine that, or if only, or I wonder. So things that weren't possible at the time, let's say you had a bad experience, but when you're writing about that, them and you say, I wish that, or if only I had, or, or it could have been, then you open that possibility. And through language, that possibility then reverberates in your being so that it's not that the past has changed, but you, you change your relationship to the past. And that kind of transformation, I think, can lead to healing. Because then you don't, you're not angry. I mean, you're, you're angry, but you're not going to let out your anger because you're open to imagination and curiosity and ultimately to, to compassion. It sounds like we're powerful alchemists, right? Creative alchemy that we're able to, yeah, with breath and and our imagination, reframe, maybe rewrite some of the stories that hurt us from different perspectives, from different um, viewpoints. Um, exactly. Yeah. If people want to, yeah. if people want to, you want to share a little bit more? No, I was thinking of revision. You know, we're yeah. revisioning, but I mean, we always use the word revision, but when you think of it, revision to, to have the opportunity to really 
see into or see above or see through in a different way is really something that it, it speaks of renewal and rejuvenation. Yeah, I love that. It's true that when we send in our work, our writing, we, we do get the first revision, second revision. It's a very fascinating uh, thought to... It's very expansive. It's better than editing. It's it's uh, it's, yeah. it's an expansive word, right? If I, I, I it was revised, it it comes from vision. That's a beautiful word, exactly. Yeah. If people it want really to get in, in touch with you, is it um, the KobeMundell.org, your foundation where you're doing so much great yeah. work for our world? Is that your official yes, homepage? Thank you. So Yes. Yeah, it's on kobimandel.org slash Sherry, S-H-E-R-R-I hyphen Mandel, M-A-N-D-E-L-L. Or I'm on Facebook, Sherry Mandel, or on Instagram, people can get in touch with me. Beautiful. And is there anything that you would love the listeners to take from your book while they're reading it? Is there is there anything special that you'd like them you know, when when they hold this in their hands and they start writing, to think about, to learn. Well, I think just to just to remember that the spirit, that it's you know, I said this, but that they're connected to the word for sapphire. That you know, that they're treasures or gems, and everybody's story is is like a treasure. And in a way, you have to protect it. And one way of protecting it is to to write about it so that you can see it in its entirety and it, it, the writing becomes a container, really, to protect that story. That's beautiful. All the facets. In German, you say also a treasure is a Schatz. And you always you all can say also that a person is a Schatz, mein Schatz, my, my treasure. And maybe the writing is, is that treasure chest of, of all of our stories. So thank you, Sherry, so much for being with us today at Voice Rising, for sharing your wisdom and your your vision on writing and for giving the writing community also a, a new book to work with. There are some classics out there, but I have to say I was very I was very touched while reading your book to get new inspiration. I, I loved I loved reading it. It put it put different spins on things I already knew, but in a way that I guess for me, I'm walking the spiritual path. So I think if anybody out there wants to make art and writing part of their spiritual path, this is definitely the book to uh, choose. That's what I would say. Uh, exactly. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much. I really enjoyed speaking with you. It was wonderful. Well, thank you. You have a good evening. And yeah, may may writing and everyone finding their authentic voices Save the world and make it a better place. Okay, bye-bye. Yeah, amen. We need it. Okay, good night. Good night.